today on a classic Compassion Radio. We had a man that got out of the hospital just a few days before. He still had the medical apparatus on him. He was missing a leg, and it took several people to get him into the baptismal. But we baptized him and his entire family one Sunday. That is awesome. Um, truly one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, it was extraordinary. What keeps your pastor going when the going gets tough? Hi, Bram Floria here with today's Compassion Radio. In part one of this series, we jumped feet first into your pastor's shoes. Well, not literally, but you know what I mean. It's been said that we sometimes need to walk a mile in someone else's shoes to understand where they're coming from. Jesus said to walk the extra mile even when you've been forced to carry someone else's burden. Hmm. So it begs the question, How do pastors feel when they have to carry our burdens around, especially when we expect them to do everything without grumbling or complaining? And don't think for a minute that their job got any easier when 2020 landed like a load of bricks on this world. Peel back the curtain a bit and you'll probably see selfless people, grateful and exhausted in equal measure. Do you realize what an awesome privilege it is to help them carry their burdens right to the very throne room of God? How ready God is to answer your prayers for your pastor. You bet he is, so let's not dally. In part one, we reintroduced you to a great friend of ours, Pastor Josh Manning of the Community Baptist Church in Knowle, Missouri. In this sleepy corner just north of the Arkansas border, 30 new languages and people groups have descended in just a few short years. You'd think there'd be distrust and strife with such rapid change in the culture. Yet the Mannings have led a remarkable renaissance of faith and mission, that is winning souls and establishing their small town as a beacon for the gospel with world-changing impact. But let's face it, a Great Commission project of this magnitude is not without cost. Dump a global pandemic in the mix and the toll might break an average person. Good thing the believers in Knoll, Missouri have put their faith in a God who specializes in the extraordinary. We'll pick it up today with a short recap of one of the most trying circumstances of their 2020. It's a shocker and at the same time a launchpad for some amazing ministry. Tell me about the struggles this church in Knoll, Missouri has experienced over 2020. The largest looming thing has been dealing with COVID. We had the initial lockdown where they said you can't have church service. It ended up being about seven weeks. Mm, it's hard. For us, that's devastating because online works for most ministries very well. This is an extremely hands-on, eyeball-to-eyeball type of ministry. Mm -hmm. Once the place opened back up, within a few weeks, the first case was recorded at the local poultry processing plant. Yes. Very quickly, it spread. We'll never know the true numbers of how many people had it, but it's a significant portion of the town. A vast majority of my church had it. I had it. All five of my pastors had it at some point. Hmm. We even lost a very dear friend of ours. He was the pastor of our Spanish service. His death was a tremendous blow for us. I'm sure it was, Josh. Roberto Nunez was an extraordinary man. He was a church planter extreme passion for his people. Amen. There was a very small home church meeting with just a family or two. We helped him find a home to live in. He worked harder than about any person I ever know, just building up his body. 
he's a man who spoke very little English, and I speak very little Spanish, but we felt as though we were extremely close. He contracted COVID, was in the hospital for over a month. Losing him was extremely painful for us and extremely damaging for his church because he was such a central figure in it. His beautiful wife, Rebecca, is the sweetest soul I think I've ever met. The thing that sticks out was at the funeral. I just watched Rebecca the entirety of the funeral. She had her arms lifted in praise, her eyes closed, and she prayed to God and worshiped God the entirety of the funeral. The faith, the passion, the devotion to what was most important in their life was, for me, the most impactful part of how they lived their lives. Josh, just on the personal level, I'm sincerely sorry you've lost such a companion in the ministry and someone that worked closely with you. There's just the sense of presence with someone who is of like heart and mind. You know you see Jesus in them, and they're with you every day. When that's pulled away from you, you feel like you've been separated from it. I'm really deeply sorry for that loss for you and for the community. Josh, I want to move on to some other stories about people that have been struggling with you and have borne the responsibility and the burden of caring for the church in dangerous times. You lost Pastor Roberto Nunez from your Spanish-speaking congregation, and now you have Rebecca, his widow, with you for a while. Did you end up sending her back to family to care for her, or is she still part of your fellowship there in Knoll, Missouri? She eventually had to move with her daughter in Texas. With the loss of her husband came the loss of her home ministry, Mm. so many things, and it made the, the loss a little bit more painful. I imagine. So we need to be praying for the Spanish-speaking community in your church there in Noel. That's item number one for me. Tell me about the other pastors and the struggles they've been going through. Um, we've been dealing with health issues. If you are engaged in ministry, I just truly attribute it to spiritual warfare. Mm. Renmit Darius, he's our Chuki pastor. Since he's been with us, he has battled severe health problems, uh, diabetes, kidney failure. He has lost a leg. He's at stage five kidney failure. Uh, As a church, we are taking turns driving him to dialysis twice a week. He had one span that he wasn't in the hospital, only but one Sunday in a month. And that one Sunday, he preached. He preaches from a wheelchair, is very limited in what he can do physically, but is preaching the gospel. He's an extraordinary man. He came from a different tradition where baptism was by by sprinkling and not immersion. There was never anything we discussed or anything of that sort. But in reading the scripture, he saw examples of baptism by immersion, and he asked to be baptized. Amen. And so you had a man that got out of the hospital just a few days before. He still had the medical apparatus on him, all this kind of stuff. He was missing a leg. And it took several people to get him into the baptismal, but we baptized him and his entire family one Sunday. That is awesome. Um, Truly one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, it was extraordinary. And you're talking about somebody who, in his discovery of Scripture, even as a pastor, discovers new things and draws close to the heart of Jesus, and he sees something there that he feels like he's missing. He's not just checking off boxes to make sure he qualifies to be a pastor. I can hear it in the way you tell the story, Josh. This is an exercise in love from him. He wanted to show Jesus how much he loved him. It was impressive. It was one of the more touching moments of of my life. It was hard to maintain any kind of composure. And just the passion and desire to follow Christ, despite the extraordinary level of difficulties, 
just to, for context, we were able to come and distribute Bibles to his congregation. So it's that gentleman. Yeah, that's a powerful day in my memory. It is extraordinary time. He projected an image of strength and passion and poise. I mean, the man just had a presence. Extremely dignified man. And while he's in the wheelchair now, how is the ministry going? How is his teaching going? How are the people responding to the gospel from this man? This church is steadily growing. It isn't large just simply because there's not a large number of people that speak his language. But it is steadily growing. They're having numerous fellowships. They've started to come on Saturday evenings now where they practice their, their worship and music before the service on Sunday. Uh, extremely relational and extremely healthy. Good news. And I won't prognosticate with you about what's going to come of this, but I assume that because of his physical condition and not knowing how God's going to answer your prayers day to day, you take it day to day. But what are you praying specifically for the pastor of this Juki's congregation? I pray for his physical needs to be able to be taken care of. He's no longer able to work because of his uh, physical limitations. And he had been bivocational at that point, working somewhere else and preaching on Sundays. Absolutely. As the size of these churches, uh, most of these pastors are making very little income from their, their work in ministry. And so taking care of his physical needs has been paramount for us and allowing him the strength and ability and time to be able to continue with the spiritual discipleship of his believers. We'll pray for that, too. Now we have two pastors in your cadre of ministry out there, Noel, that we're praying for. What else has God been trying your team on? The exciting things are also the challenging things. (laughs) We've recently added the Marshall Islands service. Pastor Luke Jesse, he's from the Marshall Islands, had a decent-sized home church, needed a place to worship with us. They've grown rapidly as they've been growing and, and baptizing many. We now have a number of brand new believers. Amen. Uh, many of them don't even have a copy of Scripture. We think we've secured some of them, but, you know, it's not like the type of language that you can just go down to your local bookstore <laughs> yeah, and find. Indeed. And so hopefully we have them coming. So how different is the Marshallese language than the Chukis and the other Pacific Island languages that you've been dealing with? They are similar areas of the world, similar styles of dress, similar holidays. The language, though, is different differs to the point that they can't communicate with each other. And so each one has to be approached separately. And so we have four Islander groups in town that have a largely Christian heritage, and we have successful, strong churches in two. We're looking to add two others. And what are the other people groups that you have in your sites right now? The Pompeian and Pingalapis. These are other Islander groups, very small numbers in the world, just a healthy group here local. They have a Christian heritage. Some of their children who speak English well come to my service because they can understand that. But we need a place to where the adults can understand well what needs to be in their language. And so we're looking to have services. Do you know if there are printed versions of the gospel in all of these languages? Uh, yes, they have been made, and it's just often difficult to get them in the Midwest. The Pompeian has news which no one knows except for you now. Okay. Um, I just got the text from an associate of mine. And we've just gotten some Pompeian Bibles in. I haven't even got it in my hand yet. Awesome. So we're looking for those kind of things, and those are extremely important tools for us. Yes, they are. You can't build a church without the Word. Before we go back to the program today, 
I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts large and small and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. We're here to bring you real good news in every situation. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478 to make your gift. You can also text the word COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone. Or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Thank you, friends, for everything you've done and what you'll do today. We love you. And now back to today's program. I just got the text from an associate of mine, and we've just gotten some Pompeian Bibles in. I haven't even got it in my hand yet. Awesome. And those are extremely important tools for us. Yes, they are. You can't build a church without the Word. All right, so you've got the Marshallese, you've got the Pontean, and the other groups that you are focusing on and trying to find Bibles for them. And do you have leads now on all the places that can get you copies of the Word for these people that are coming to Christ? At this point, we believe we do. We haven't gotten the Marshall Islands Bibles in hand yet, but we have a gentleman that is over there that has 50 copies for us. We have 25 brand-new believers that don't have a copy of Scripture we are excited to get those soon. So we're praying for Bibles for your Marshallese congregation next, and the Pontean Bibles are with you now. Yep, yep, they will be with me uh, very shortly, yes. All right. Well, Josh, let me regress a little bit now and talk about the personal struggles and triumphs that you experience in your role as mentor pastor to this group. You've talked about losing close friends in ministry and how Pastor Roberto passed away from COVID and how you've lost not just the anchor of that church, but a good personal friend. Those kind of sorrows weigh heavy on you when you don't feel like you've got time to really mourn. When Sandy and I lost my mother-in-law this past spring, there was no opportunity to do normal things like have a funeral service to get the family together. We were spread out and we could not, by law, have our memorial service. We had to wait all the way till the end of summer before we could even have a, a meeting of that kind. It was tough. Oh, dear. I understand when you have an unfulfilled grieving that it becomes kind of a weight on you emotionally and spiritually. How has God been testing you, friend? This has been the most success in ministry we've even dreamed of having. We've had 40 baptisms in three months. Extraordinary highs, but with that has come extreme weight on my family. Mm. It, it's been challenging. Just from the strain of the positive things, even if you say, well, we have fully a quarter of the people that attend our church has been baptized in three months. That means you have a quarter of your church are brand new believers and the mm -hmm. amount of discipleship and time that the pastors have to use in that. The challenge of health issues um, that's been with some of our extended family the loss of friends that you don't get to fully process, yeah. and then the challenge of living right here where the ministry is. My home is just out the front door of the church, and being that immersed in it every day doesn't give you a chance to even catch your breath. Mm. And so it's been a extremely heavy, difficult time on my family, but also this has been the, the greatest time of spiritual growth that we've experienced as well. What does growth mean to you at a time like this? When you say that term, it's been the greatest time of spiritual growth, it's a kind of a blanket statement to wrap around a whole lot of really intense feelings and experiences and revelations that all mix together in a strange stew. 
So describe it for me. What do you mean by spiritual growth in ministry right now? It's a reliance on Christ. What times of difficulty it is, they beat out the arrogance, the feeling of, you know how to do this well, and you're forced to rely on Christ and everything. As the days go by and your own efforts seem foolish, you realize that what Christ can do is so much more. It forces you to pray more, to read the Bible more, mm. to do the basic things of what a Christian does. It fo- makes that the focus and not the kingdom I want to build. Mm. And, uh, and so a time of spiritual growth is always in renewed focus upon Christ. Yeah. And I, I hope and I believe that as a family and as a church, we have sought Christ more just because of the challenges of this time. Okay, I'm going to ask you an interesting question here, and I have a reason for asking it. hope you can be as transparent with me as you can. What would you want to hear from people in your congregation or from other people in ministry to be said to you and your family right now that would bring you strength? Uh, they're praying for me, and I hear that a lot. That's always the need, but so frequently it's the ridiculous practical things that have meant so much to me. It's the silly things. Pastor Jesse mopped the gym floor hmm. without being asked last <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> the Spanish service, you could tell that they had cleaned all the pews and done some little things like that. It's the little silly stuff that all of a sudden I didn't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Those little practical expressions of we love you, we care about you, um, really mean a lot for us. And I'll turn the tables on the rest of the world. Josh, you've earned the right to speak with some moral authority on issues of evangelism, great commission work, pastoral work, just all the things you read about in the New Testament. You are a New Testament kind of guy. If you could say anything right now to pastors like you out there in the world, what would you tell them? Focus on Christ. Make sure that your neighbors know who you are and the church is. The biggest problem I see is these isolated groups of bodies of believers. And if the church disappeared one day, it may be weeks before the neighbors knew the church was missing. Hmm. Um, Focus on loving your neighbors, uh, devotion to your community. Give up the valuable for yourself to love them and you'll see the growth and everything that should be transpiring in the church. I noticed when we were with you the last couple of times that the way you interact with your family there in Noel, and I mean the church family, because it's cross-cultural all the time, there's always encoding and decoding of what people are meaning. You and your wife have always been great supports about going the extra mile to understand people as best you can. But there comes a time when you cross over where the communication becomes a little bit easier. They're able to bless you without so much effort. And so you understand each other's love languages better. What kind of things mean the most to you personally, not just about your ministry needs and keeping things taken care of, but for you and Lauren and for the kids, the congregation, how do they minister to you in ways that make the day tolerable and worthwhile to you? The exciting, joyful, beautiful little things is the feeling of connection with someone that you know, you work to serve and minister with for several years. Mm -hmm. When you go into a family's house, Korean refugees, there's nine people in a a two-bedroom little duplex, you know, maybe 800 square feet. You spend countless hours with their kids, preaching scripture, those kind of things. And we got invited for a birthday party or something. 
And we go in and I turn around and there on the wall was the family pictures. Mm. And in the middle of those family pictures was a picture of my family. Mm. And the feeling of, oh, wait a minute, we've, we've made an impact on this family. <laughs> you know, when you have pictures of their kids and you have my kids in the midst of them. And those kind of feelings are just, they're more precious than words can say. You can imagine what Jesus' wall looks like in his house. Absolutely. Once you start to develop those friendships and that love, and your lives intertwine more than what you would originally think just doing a Sunday service and and doing the things that a pastor does, Mm -hmm. that's the beautiful, precious part. When your families are close and your kids are texting and and they're a part of your life. And that's to me, is the, the joyful part. It's a joy for us, Josh, to be able to slip in once in a while and hear the stories of how God is sustaining you and growing you. And as you say, great trial leads to great growth. Obviously, the churches themselves are growing. When you do 40 baptisms in a short period of time with all these little congregations, that's a big deal. That's a big kingdom deal. But it's just the beginning, as you know. You baptize them, and then you start working on seeing them set on the right path, and you spend the rest of your life helping to guide and encourage and coax and reprimand and love and all those things, and you'll be marrying them and burying them. That's what the ministers of the gospel do. This past year has been a whole lot more, as you would say, sense of death before life, and you've had to deal with those kind of losses yourself. So I just want to pray over you, buddy, the kind of comfort that goes along with knowing that you were not forgotten by Jesus or by your people or by his people around the world. So I'm going to encourage the folks that are hearing these programs to be lifting up Josh and Lauren Manning there in Knoll, Missouri, and all the pastors that they work with and the congregations, the world that's at his doorstep. Please be praying for them day by day. The last thing I'm going to ask you as we close out today, Josh, is what are you preaching on this Sunday? Uh, I preach verse by verse, and I'm doing the next verse in uh, Matthew. We're talking about what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. Hmm. (laughs) What a great pivot. And I'll bet it has nothing to do with being powerful or arrogant. Absolutely not. (laughs) And that's that's the point. (laughs) Amen. Any final words from your friend before we call it today? I just appreciate the relationship I've had with you, some of the really neat encounters we've been able to have, and uh, God bless your ministry, and, and it's wonderful that there's other Christian believers seeking to preach the gospel in unusual ways like you guys are, and it, it's a wonderful thing. And may God bring you many more unique pastors there to help reach out all those people groups that, that God's put in your sights and put on your heart. Absolutely. So again, I thank Josh Manning of Noel, Missouri, at the Community Baptist Church there, and all of the other congregations that meet under that roof and across the street in your gymnasium. What a lively, living, and vibrant place it is. And may he comfort you in your losses, and may he build for the future and bring you new life new bodies, new people that are seeking him and that God is seeking out and build your family as it goes along. That's my prayer. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us today. God's been good, but it has been a challenging last nine months or so. God bless. Thank you. Never was love so tender Never was love so strong Even in His surrender, His love would carry on. And as His heart was breaking, He was mending lives. 
and as he hung there dying, he was giving us life. So when you are tired and empty, when you can't His love is stronger, and as He reigns in glory, He's still mending lives. And as He hung there dying, He can give you. My thanks again to Pastor Josh Manning of Noel Community Church in Southern Missouri. His example motivates us in our work, and his friendship is deeply appreciated. I hope you'll pray for his ministry and for your pastors today. There is so much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. I hope you'll take time today to drop us a note through our website or by email. However you reach out, know that we're in this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com. We're waiting for you, friends. Hop on board.